The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryland Siles, and with me, as always, is Grant Tuttle. And Grant, we're finally recording another podcast. Oh, you know, once you get over your deathly illness, well, I get over my deathly illness, and you uh, return from your your busy schedule, um, I think it's time that we sat down and talked some Chiefs. Yeah, I'm glad that you're feeling better. Uh, you know, spring break and then everything that goes along with that kind of stopped me from uh, recording a show while he was deathly ill. And I also did record a show, but my microphone wasn't plugged in, so it sounded even worse than my voice normally sounds. So I didn't want to put you guys through that at home. But Grant, we've somehow missed a lot, but also missed nothing at all. So there's there's some stuff to talk about, but there's not a lot on the agenda. Uh, let's start with Tyreek Hill. And this came out a couple days after our D Ford emergency podcast, and if you missed that one, go back and listen to it. It's a we're a young podcast still, only our fifth or sixth episode, but that was by far our best one, I think. Uh, but anyway, Tyreek Hill is under investigation for battery. It was first reported by Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star. What do you think of this, and you know what have you read about it, Grant? Uh, what I get from it is that we just have no idea what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of there's even questions as to whether Tyreek Hill is being investigated. Uh, the KC Star is saying, yes, he's being investigated, whereas uh, in the report he's not listed as a suspect. Um, so that's a little bit eye-opening. Um, there's just so much that we have no idea about. Um, and us at Arrowhead Addict, we're just waiting just like everybody else to hear the news. So that's all I really have to say on it. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of different ways you could go with this, but nothing is concrete. Uh, Nothing is for sure. I would say I trust Brooke with this. You know, just reading her work a lot, she used to be in Norman covering Oklahoma, and, you know, when Joe Mixon and everything was there. I trust what she has to say, uh, but obviously when there's two conflicting reports, it's kind of of tough, but my judgment would be to trust her, but we, we still don't know anything. We don't know anything if it's happened if it didn't happen who's involved with it like you said so yeah there's no way to make a huge uh, leap right now that time will come we will have the opportunity to to dissect this a lot further uh, for right now i just say it's a bad look i mean uh, that's undoubtedly and even if this is nothing you know it sucks that's in the headlines because we all know terry kill's story we know at oklahoma state he strangled his girlfriend who he's now engaged to and now is involved with this situation with that same girl got kicked out of oklahoma state went to uh, i believe southern alabama or, or a school down there uh uh in that area and then became a, a chief and during that draft i remember listening to the drive with at that time danny parkins and carrington harrison and they were outraged by the move fans were outraged by the move everyone was seemingly outraged by the fact that the chiefs would dare to take tyreek hill and then in a few weeks into the season, they're chanting his name in prime time on Thursday Night Football. So it's it's a weird situation. 
you would hate to see this happen again for the Chiefs, where you know you draft Tyreek Hill, so you're in the news there. Then Kareem Hunt happens, you're in the news there, and now we've circled back around to Tyreek Hill. You'd also just hate for this to happen with Tyreek Hill, no matter which side it's on, because if he's innocent, then obviously he's put in a terrible spot. Because some people will have already deemed him guilty, even if he is innocent in a few weeks because of the headlines, because he has this track record. And if he's guilty, you hate to see him go back down this road of really just not being able to control himself because he was making such great progress throughout his first uh, you know, year or so in Kansas City. There was articles and stories by him and by media members of him going and getting help and him turning his life around. And now he was engaged, and I think he's still engaged to the, to the woman uh, who he was involved with at Oklahoma State and now again in this case. Uh, so it's a bad uh, situation all around. It's a bad look for everyone involved. And hopefully in a few weeks we'll have more clarity to where it turns out to be just uh, nothing. Uh, But when something like this gets thrown around, I I don't know if it can be nothing, Uh, but we'll see. I mean, there's, that was a long winded way to say that we don't really know much right now. And, um, and and this was, uh, this was the battery of his, uh, of his child. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that. Um, That's, that's the minor that is listed in the report. Um, there has been speculation whether this this kid had uh, broken his arm uh, due to uh, something that happened between him and Tyreek Hill. We have no idea. Uh, we don't know what's going on. Tyreek Hill today posted a workout video, but again, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, we all are trying to play um, investigative journalist, and altogether we have no idea what's going on. Uh, we just have to wait and hope that uh, we don't have a guy that's that's turning back towards the wrong track. Um, it would be it would look egregious for a team like the uh, Chiefs that have that have had trouble with this. Um, they, they've had kind of a rocky last decade or so um, with Joe Von Belcher, um, with Kareem Hunt, and now um, Tyree Kill. Um, so it would just be piling on to a, f- a furthering of the bad history that we've seen. Um, so like I said, and like you said, we don't know what's going on. So let's not all, all just assume that um, he's, he's guilty. Let's not all assume that he's innocent because neither are true at this moment in time. Uh, the, I will say that uh, he has lost the benefit of the doubt uh, when you are when you've gotten in trouble for this kind of terrible thing before, you don't you don't just automatically get the assumption of innocence like um, everyone else does. So we'll just have to wait. Six yeah, months. that's a good point. Yeah, we'll just have- that's a good point because this is this is the the, the same uh, woman who was at Oklahoma State and at that time she was pregnant with this child. So really, both of them have been involved in the same thing before. Uh, hopefully it's nothing, but that's a good point. You know, you you lose the benefit of the doubt by the you know the eye of the public once you have been convicted. You know, once you've been involved in this sort of thing, uh, and you have that baggage already. One point you brought up the uh, the workout video. Uh, I didn't watch it because I'm not really into that sort of thing. But I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't call him. You know, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's doing this, but I wouldn't say that. You know, oh well, he doesn't even care about this investigation. Look at him; he's on YouTube posting videos. A lot of the time, these athletes that do post on YouTube, I know one being Alex Bregman, who is the third baseman for the Houston Astros. Uh, you know, a lot of his videos come out 
and they're recorded three months ago, and, and they're just now being able to be released. I know he had one about his Adidas contract and one about his you know, Houston Astros contract, and then some of his workout videos that he recorded in December came out last week. So, I mean, those videos uh, probably aren't like recorded yesterday and put up today. I, I don't even think that they were recorded whenever uh, the domestic violence thing, excuse me, the battery investigation came about. So I, I wouldn't go as far to say that he's like kind of blowing this off unless there's, of course, like a time stamp on there where he's saying, oh, look, I just did this yesterday and I'm going to post it today. Uh, but even if he was, I mean, so far, we don't know if he's even in trouble uh, at all. Uh, I believe wasn't the first the first police report in the uh, star. Wasn't it blank? Yeah, it just had his address. Uh, it was it took place at his residence. That is pretty much the uh, that's that's literally all that they said, right? It was just his address. It was, it was a child that was injured at his residence and Child Protective Services are investigating the matter. Now, that can take even longer than a police investigation. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the time it does. Um, because they have to interview parents, they have to interview peers. It would appear to me that a third party, uh, from what I've read in the report, a third party reported uh, the child's injuries um, to Child Protective Services. But this is, like I said, this is just all speculation. We have no idea. Uh, it could have been an angry ex-lover or something, for all we know. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be somebody that's very credible. And I think that Chiefs fans need to be ready to accept whatever reality is true. Uh, we, yeah. we need to mentally prepare ourselves for uh, the potential departure of Tyreek Hill. Um, but we also don't mm-hmm. need to give up that hope that he has turned it around. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, and to your point, it could be an outside source. Um, you know, it, let, let's just put it in a more kind of real-to-life concept in the sense of, you know, not look at it as Terry Kill. If your neighbor, Grant, was, you know, involved in domestic violence before, and then all of a sudden his little kid comes out and has a broken arm, that might raise an eyebrow, especially if you put into context of, the same guy was involved in domestic violence with his then pregnant girlfriend and that same kid comes out of her and, and grows up and then comes out out of nowhere with a broken arm. That could raise a few questions to where you just want to make sure that they go through the proper protocol of, OK, this was nothing, but we're just going to make sure it was, in fact, an innocent mistake because kids break their arms all the time and it, and it has nothing to do with their parents. But. You know, whenever you have a, a baggage like Tyreek Hill has, you get put under the microscope a little bit more. So to your point, this could all just be precautionary measures. It could just be, you know, due diligence on the on the on the fact of a concerned neighbor or, you know, a, a, you know, even law enforcement or child protective services. It could just be precautionary and nothing of any substance, but it also could be. One thing we know for sure is that even if Tyreek Hill plays week one, until there is a definitive, you know, a definitive ruling, he's not out of the woods. Because if you remember, the Kareem Hunt situation came up last February, and then he was cut right before the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, we won't know anything until we know, if that makes sense. Even, you know, he's not out of the woods until there's a definitive statement by law enforcement, the Chiefs, the NFL, to where they're all uniformly saying everything's okay. Yeah. That's really all I have to say about it is that we have no idea. And so this obviously changes his contract because if you remember a couple weeks ago, me and you were talking about how there was a report that he was in line to get a huge, massive 
wide receiving contract that was going to break records uh, and the Chiefs were ready to extend him. And then the very next week, this story came out. So you obviously cannot sign him this offseason. There's just not enough time. There's not enough time for this to blow over and and not even blow over, but to get your definitive, again, definitive evidence, your definitive results from everybody. There's not enough time to re-sign him. Yeah. So this at least gives Terry Kill another year uh, to either gain or lose, uh, how would you put it, value on the field. Uh, but, you know, what does this do? And can the Chiefs even re-sign him, uh, you know, as dumb as that might sound, in the sense of just all of their off-the-field baggage that they've had going on? You mentioned Belcher, Hunt, Hill twice now. I mean, what does this do for his contract, do you think? Or if anything? Um, I don't. I, I think this is something that people aren't talking about enough because it's one of the underlying thing things. It's, it's about it's the football side of things, and um, this is obviously a very emotional issue. Um, and something that's tough to, to discuss. Um, so going away from the going towards the football side of things, I can't imagine a scenario in which Tyreek Hill gets a mega deal. Uh, with all these concerns, even if he's not even responsible, it would be tough for me to see the Chiefs signing him to a mega like five year, six year deal. Um, maybe they, they'd take a flyer on him for a one to two year deal but I can't see him signing long-term for the Chiefs or really anywhere um, because of all these question marks that have been raised um, in this last year. And, and, I mean, that's a huge blow for a guy like Hill who was obviously reported for a, a huge um, extension. And I think now the Chiefs are going to focus all their energy on re-signing Chris Jones, and we've already heard rumors in this last week that Chris Jones is headed towards a contract. Um, so I don't, I don't see any scenario in which this positively, uh, um, helps Tyreek Hill get a long-term huge monster deal from Kansas city. Yeah, I, I think your point's a good one. I think it goes back to, you know, this being bad all around for Tyreek Hill, because even if this is nothing, the fact that there's headlines is bad for him because going back to a year ago at this time, the headlines weren't Tyreek Hill's under investigation. They were Tyreek Hill's finding help. Tyreek Hill's getting better. Tyreek Hill's helping the community. Tyreek Hill is is helping women's shelters, and he's trying his best to to turn everything around. Even going back to three months ago, Tyreek Hill's now engaged to that woman. They've reconciled. They've they've done all the right things as a as a couple, and he's done all the right things as a man to turn it around. Both you know mainly off the field because on the field he was always a great player, but off the field he's done it all right. And now this headline, even if it's false, has washed all of that away by someone, you know, who already was against Tariq Hill at the at the draft in which he was drafted. Like we mentioned, the the, the drive and the, and the feeling around Kansas City was negative towards Tyreek Hill until that great primetime performance where they started chaining his name at Arrowhead. Uh, but yeah, this contract is going to now go down the drain, I think. I totally agree with you. And I don't think it's so much as the NFL finding morals and and not wanting to employ someone who has this in his past, I think it's them covering themselves because, again, a year ago, we saw Terry Kills doing this and that for the community, blah, 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 and now he's under investigation again. So this could pop up and change on a dime, and you, you it's kind of just a return on investment, and it's, it's literally an investment into players, and this is a scary one for teams because, again, he went from getting a huge extension to investigate it in under a week. 
So, I mean, that's that's a risky proposition for teams. And the press conference, no matter who it is or how much it is, is going to be uncomfortable. You're taking on a guy who's definitively had domestic violence and then now might also have battery on a child and neglect and everything on a child. So I agree. This contract is probably down the drain for him, which, again, would be sad if this is nothing, uh, would be deserving if it's something. We don't know which one it is, but I agree with you. And last question on this before we can kind of shift away from Tyreek Hill. Again, we don't want to be insensitive to the to the subject. It's it's obviously a tough subject, uh, but right now we don't know anything about the subject, so it would be ignorant to continue to speculate more than we already have, uh, more than I already have, uh, more so uh, on the situation. So we're going to shift over to more of the football side of things because, quite honestly, that's what you guys are listening to is a football podcast, not us preach about morals. So does this change? The Chiefs draft, do you draft an insurance policy for Tyreek Hill if you end up having to cut him the way you did Kareem Hunt uh, a year ago? Or do you just go on with your draft philosophy this year as as it would have been before this investigation and then figure that out when the time comes in terms of replacing Tyreek Hill? Yeah, uh, I, I've kind of been in that camp where I've thought the Chiefs are going to draft a wide receiver at some point in the draft anyway. Um, so... Insurance policy, maybe, but I kind of thought that they'd be adding that third receiver anyway. Uh, so if they need to, to add somebody earlier, then that's fine. I, I'm not super comfortable with them drafting a wide receiver in the first round, but if there's a guy in the second that you really like or the third, uh, I think definitely. Um, not only just because of uh, the Tyreek Hill situation, but um, even if Tyreek Hill is playing, uh, they need a guy that can play in the slot consistently. Um, and challenge Demarcus Robinson for that third spot. So let me ask you this. You can answer it both uh, both for before the investigation and after. Uh, let's start with before. If before this investigation came out and Marquise Brown fell to, let's say, 18-20 range, somewhere in there, if he fell that low, would you trade up to draft Marquise Brown? No. Before the investigation happened? No. I... Um just in the first round the, there's only one guy that I would really be interested in drafting in the first round and that would be uh, DK Metcalf if somehow he fall if he fell uh, everybody else I have pretty much a second gra- second round grade on uh, and I think if you tr- if you were to draft any other receiver in the first it would be a little bit of a reach all right and then what about you know after is that still the same for you just after the investigation just stay away from other receivers that aren't DJ Metcalf in the first round, no matter what. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, that's just my view. I know that there's a lot of people that, that like mm-hmm. Hakeem Butler out of Iowa state. And I mean, I, I like his athletic measurables, but uh, he has a lot of questions that he needs to answer before I would say he's a first round uh, prospect. So, yeah, I want to properly transition into that in a second, but for me, I would, I would trade for Marquise Brown. I, I have a much higher, quote unquote grade. I don't really do the whole uh, grading thing, but I do like Marquise Brown. Uh, This is around the time where I normally get into the draft. So he's one of the guys that uh, I am very high on. Uh, I cannot wait for him to play in the NFL and everything. Uh, I would trade up for him now knowing this Tyreek Hill thing, because I think he could be a very good replacement uh, for Tyreek Hill if need be. And also I think he complements Tyreek Hill very well. uh, Like you said, in the slot and, and just helps the chiefs offense. Although, even if something, you know, happens with Tariq Hill, I do believe in Patrick Mahomes, and I do believe that he can make pretty much anyone stand out. 
uh, real quick, let's get off Tyreek Hill and all that surrounds that. You said Hakeem Butler, and I'm one of those guys whose ears perk up whenever I hear Hakeem Butler because I really, really like him. But I in no way like him as a first-round talent. Are there people out there, because you know you read everything in terms of the draft, are there people out there who think he's a first-round talent? Yeah, there's actually a lot of people that, that like him going to even as high as... That is shocking to me. Even as high as like uh, 17 overall to like, I think 7, or no, that would be the... I'm trying to think of what the um, Titans pick is. 16 overall. There's a lot of people that want him to go to the Titans. They they like that fit. Uh, they like him as a fit to go to the Colts. Um, there's a lot of people that like Hakeem Butler, but that's because he tested so well athletically. Um, when you test in the top, in the 99th percentile of athleticism, uh, you're bound to get drafted higher than you're supposed to be. So. I think, and that's the for me. That's the same reason that I think Montez Sweat is going to go earlier in the first round than he deserves. Uh, he's that defensive end that ran the four four forty. Yeah, and I mean, like I've watched his tape. He's athletic. He's strong, but he doesn't have the the pass rush arsenal that I would like to see in an in an edge defender. He doesn't have a lot of bend. Um, honestly, I, he could be quicker off the snap. But he's going to go probably top 10. There's a lot of people saying top 10 now um, because of his athletic testing. And so that's the same exact thing with Hakeem Butler, whereas he was a guy that was a mid-second-round pick for me. Uh, I think he's going to go mid to late first round now. And that's kind of the the Breland speaks effect, where if a GM likes somebody, they're going to take him uh, around earlier uh, than they need to. So uh, that's what I think about Butler. Yeah, and real quick, just one more. We're going to get back to the Chief news in a second. You know, I'm interested that you, because the way you feel about Hakeem Butler is kind of the way I feel about DJ Metcalf without, again, this week and next week is really the weeks where I start getting invested in the NFL draft and I do the the film and the reading and everything up on that. I feel like he kind of just came out of nowhere after the combine and his pro day and everything. Uh, what do you? So you really do like DJ Metcalf, though? Yeah, DK Metcalf has uh, has a uh, DK. Excuse yeah, me. D- DK Metcalf is a is a big body guy. Uh, has a big catch radius. Um, the one thing that honestly I think his combine somewhat hurt him. Not because I mean he flew on the forty like he was fast mm-hmm. as heck uh, and enormous. So that's great. Um, but he, he his shuttle time was so slow that it was ridiculous, and I think that's just because he, he bulked up and looks like a linebacker, defensive end, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that hurt him in that regard because if you watch him on tape, he's big, but he is way shiftier than that. Um, he's able to create uh, separation. He's physical. He reminds me a little bit of A.J. Green. Um, he's a guy that I think has – enormous upside if he can if he can you know put away the stop going to the gym and um and (laughs) pump an iron all the time i think that i think that he could uh he could lose he could stand to lose a little bit of muscle mass and um that it it would make him quicker in the long run and i think he's by far and away the best receiver in this class Okay, well, I'm interested to see, you know, for myself, the tape, I, you know, I trust your judgment for sure. So, you know, that's good to know because, you know, he was one of those guys that kind of, it's kind of weird because I watched him play a little bit in college, just live, not anything in sort of in-depth or anything, but he never quite stood out to me very much. But I am interested to see that now after getting, you know, your recommendation on him, because again, if you're not reading Grant's draft stuff, you are insane because 
he's arguably one of the best in terms of you know anyone but especially in terms of guys who aren't you know Matt Miller but I think he's right up there you know and just doesn't get enough credit Uh, but anyway let's shift over to more Chiefs news former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt has been suspended for eight games and he's of course now with the Cleveland Browns do you think this is too much, too little, just right? What, what do you think about this number of eight games? I actually expected it to be more, um, but mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what? I mean, he's not playing for the Chiefs. He already missed some games, so maybe the NFL took that into consideration that he was on the exempt list for so long that he couldn't sign with anybody, and they just added. They just said that um, we don't need to suspend him because he was already out for what, mm-hmm. like five or six games. Um, because we had him held on the exempt list. I don't know. Uh, I don't think he's I, – I, I think that he could have deserved more. Um, anytime there's a video, I always expect it to be worse. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised he got signed so quickly. That was kind of the surprise that I got out of it. I didn't expect him to get picked up as one of the first free agent signings, which was, which was something. Um John Dorsey went right back to the well of his talent machine that he likes to build off of his draft picks. He likes Kareem Hunt, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't have signed him. I didn't think there was really a big spot for him on the Cleveland roster, but uh, they made one for him, and now I think they're going to try to trade Duke Johnson. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it, it could have been it could have been a longer suspension, but they might have taken other factors into account. Yeah, and, and to your point, Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson did request a trade yesterday from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, what do you think that he's worth in the NFL, especially at a position to where, you know, it's kind of just interchangeable for the most part? Well, he's a very good receiving back. He's always been a very good receiving back. Um, he's a, I mean, for any running back that's not named Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott, they're they're going to be, uh, they're not going to be as valuable on the market. Um, I could see that a team like, for instance, if, if they wanted to go player-for-player player trade, um, Kansas City could probably trade like a, um, one of Dorsey's picks to him for Duke Johnson, and they'd accept it. I think they're just looking for the bare minimum so they don't have to cut him and eat that cap. Um, so really that's all I can think about it. Uh, think about it is that uh, he's, a, he's a good receiving back. He's, he, fits a, he fits a good um, scheme. He could uh, be... A good running back in a committee. He catches the ball well out of the backfield, but ultimately, the most you could ever get for him, and this is like the highest, is like a fifth round pick. That's like the highest ceiling you could hope for him. Yeah, and John Dorsey didn't stop there making moves. He traded Emmanuel Ogbot to the Kansas City Chiefs for Eric Murray. I think that this is an absolute steal for the Kansas City Chiefs because at worst, Emmanuel Agba is going to be a depth piece for the Chiefs. I think he's going to be much more than that. I still believe in Agba, his, his talent that he has. And then Eric Murray, of course, I think he would have been cut. I mean, I don't know what you think. I think he would have been cut uh, after training camp was over. Uh, so I, I didn't really care for Eric Murray very much. But what do you think about this move? Did it excite you? Did it kind of not move the needle, needle at all for you? Uh, what do you think about this trade? Oh, I like it. Uh, anytime that you get anything for Eric Murray is a good trade. Um, I don't think Eric Murray's worth much. He has like one career interception as a free safety, a guy that consistently um, is out of position on the back end. I've never, I've never been a fan of Eric Murray's. 
Uh, I never thought that he really did anything well. Um, so anytime that you can turn that into a, a posi- and turn him into a position of need, get Emmanuel Ogba, a guy that is definitely of the Chiefs type. The Chiefs have a type now, and it's uh, it's long and strong. That's the new name of the game in Kansas City. Um, so I think that he provides he provides the uh, he's a good run stopper for sure. Um, if nothing else. So I think that with the the twists and stunts that Brandon Daly is going to introduce in hopefully in the new Chiefs defense run by Steve Spagnuolo, that they might be able to produce pressure in that way because Ogba's strong. He's not super quick, but he's strong. He's lengthy. Um, So at at the bare minimum, they've got a very good run stopper out of the deal. And his career high in sacks is five and a half in 2016 when he played all 16 games. That's the only time in his career he's played all 16 games. He also started all 16 games. He actually hasn't played a game in which he hasn't started. He went 16 for 16 in 2016, 10 for 10 in 2017, and then 14 for 14 in 2018. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I really like Emmanuel Agba. I think that uh, you know he's going to be an interesting guy to watch. Again, at worst, you got a very, very good depth piece on the line for someone who I don't think would have made the team. So this was an absolute fleecing of the of the Browns, I think, as much as it can be whenever you're only giving up Agba and you're only getting back Eric Murray. Yeah. Um, let's and move was, on now to... I was to, just going to say real quick... Oh, go ahead. Uh, ...that they actually gained cap space off of this trade as well because uh, Murray was due about $2 million and Agba's still on his rookie deal. Um, so they actually gained um, some space in the salary cap. Uh, I would say that that with with the pairing of Alex Okafor and um, Ogba, they have they have already gotten better on the run defensive side of things. Um, and I think that it by by adding another edge player, uh, it allows versatility for the the draft. So that's those are really good things. That there's a lot of reasons to love this trade, um, other than. Eric Murray wasn't worth anything, and we got something in return for him. So, um, I, I actually think that now is more—it's more likely that the Chiefs stay at 29 than ever before. Uh, I thought they were going to trade up. I thought they were going to trade down. I thought they were going to be a, aggressive or passive in some way. Um, but I'm starting to think that maybe the the strategy is to stay right there at pick 29. But yeah, I like the versatility that uh, the the uh, acquisition of Agba brings. So that's all I have. All right. That, that sounds, you know, like you hit the nail on the head right there. I agree with everything you said. And I think it's a good trade. I think there's no way that you can spin this as a bad trade for the chiefs. Uh, one move though, that's made official. We've talked about this move since the very first podcast. In fact, on our very first podcast in the history of Arrowhead Attic in the first hour of you and I even hearing each other's voices, we mourn the loss of Eric Berry. Yeah. And now it's official. Yeah. Eric Berry is gone. And an interesting note about this is that he met with the Browns, and of course, John Dorsey didn't draft Eric Berry, but obviously spent some time with him, and he left there with no contract. He met with the Cowboys, and he left there with no contract after the Cowboys missed out on Earl Thomas. Do you think he'll find a landing spot and where do you think he'll find his landing spot? And if you want to reiterate your thoughts on the move, 
go a- go ahead. Okay, well, I mean, I just think it was something that had to happen. I think that there had been t- trust that had been broken there. Um, I don't, I mean, I love Eric Berry, and it's hard to see a guy like that move on from a city that loved him so much. Um, but that being said, I'm not convinced that he is able to play. Uh, his camp has been saying all along he's healthy, he can play. Then why did he go to the Cowboys, who are one of the most needy safety teams in the league, can come out of there without a deal? Why did John Dorsey choose to add Eric Murray instead of Eric Berry? Uh, why all these things? <laughs> That's a good point right there. Why all these things? Why why is he not able to land a deal early when he's he's an all-pro caliber guy when he's healthy? I just don't think he's that. I don't think he's healthy. Uh, and I have a hard time believing he's going to sign anywhere for a big deal, at least this offseason. Maybe he'll be shooting for next offseason if he can, if he can uh, uh, somehow get himself healthy. But he definitely wasn't all year last year. He was day-to-day, as everybody knows. And we got, tired of, we got sick and tired of hearing the day-to-day-to-day-to-day thing that the uh, Chiefs PR people put out there. And I think now we're just finally seeing um, that he really has not been healthy enough uh, to play anywhere. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But I can't, I can't imagine a scenario uh, in which Eric Berry makes a lot of money because he, he just isn't playing. He didn't play at a high level against the Patriots. I, he got burned down the field by Rob Gronkowski, who's argue, who was arguably one of the slower tight ends in football last year. Uh, I just think there's a lot, a lot that we don't know and a lot there. Um, I just, I don't, I can't see Eric Berry signing a big contract anywhere. Yeah. And and it's interesting that in, in the world we live in where there's so much media coverage, I mean, you and I have a podcast for God's sake that throughout all these visits, Eric Berry to the, to the uh, Cowboys, to the Browns, there's no details of them even offering him a contract, even lowballing him. There's nothing. They just left without even discussing terms. It, it feels like that's odd to me. You know, usually, you know, you might get uh, a sort of thing where you kind of get lowballed or whatever. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll ever, you know, play again. As weird as that sounds, or maybe just have to take the the entire year off. But I'm sure come training camp, he'll find a home somewhere. It's just pretty odd that. Um, but he hasn't found it yet. And real quick, let's transition now into something that the Chiefs brought in because we've talked about them cutting Justin Houston. We've talked about them uh, trading D Ford. We've talked about them uh, also cutting Eric Berry. But now let's talk about them signing Alex Okafor from the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, like what they're signed to a three-year, twenty-four million-dollar deal. Is this move not a very great move? Because I think it's absolutely great, and I don't know what your opinion is on it, but I think it's a great move. I, I don't think it's a good move. I don't think it's a, a mediocre move. I think it's a very, very good move. Yeah, uh, I think that this is, just like I said, I think that the Chiefs have a type, and it's long and strong now. Uh, that's what Steve Spagnuolo wants in his system. I think he wants a little bit of versatility, guys that can that can play all facets of the game. Um, and, you know... I think that the Okafor signing is very good because not only has he been a great run stopper, not a good one, but a great run stopping defensive end his entire mm-hmm. career, 
Um, but he does have some he does have some pass rushing ability. Um, I I would like him more in the strong side than the weak. Uh, I think you need a little bit more athleticism in the weak side. Um, but I think that right off surface, I think that he brings something that the Chiefs were lacking after they lost D Ford and Justin Houston. Uh, I think that the addition of him and Ogba, uh, their their love for Breland speaks. It also makes sense because of Spagnolo's love for. Uh, shifting his defense. He loves to sub guys in and out, keep guys fresh, keep the offense uh, off balance. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that than we've grown accustomed to. Uh, maybe uh, Tano Passanio will get some playing time. Um, I just think that there's just going to be a lot of rotation and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and I think that um, Okafor is probably the most exciting piece of the puzzle in that regard. I agree, and they've also brought in Brashad Breeland. They spent all of last offseason, excuse me, they spent the training camp portion of last season. It seemed like If you remember, <laughs> it, it did seem like it was going on forever. Uh, but, I mean, he was at St. Joe's. He was, he was, you know, getting dorm rooms. He was around the facility. He was checking out practice. He was meeting with, uh, you know, the Chiefs higher-ups every day. He was getting barbecue. And then he didn't sign with the Chiefs. They've signed Brashad Breeland. Finally, the wait is over. He is a member of the Chiefs. I'll let you go first because I'm not sure if anyone's going to want to hear from me <laughs> on this subject right off the bat. So you go ahead and go first because I have some takes that might make Chiefs fans mad. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm fine with the signing. I don't think there's anything to just to, to hate about the signing. It was a cheap deal. It's a one-year deal. Um, and, and at his best, he's been a, a solid cornerback. He's nothing great. He's nothing below average. He's been average or above pretty much uh, throughout. Um, he's a bigger guy. I think he, he makes sense as a guy that can play a little bit of man-to-man. He can also function in his zone. He's a kind of – he can do, do it all, really. Um, maybe not – not like uh, not like Marcus Peters or any of those guys. That's not what you should expect out of Breland. Um, but at his best, I think you can expect a solid guy, uh, a number two or three guy. Hopefully, I, I'm hoping that they draft somebody early. Um, that makes the most sense to me um, if they wanted to get their their number one corner of the future. But as a rotational piece, as a guy that can play. Uh, anywhere on the field. I don't like him as much in the slot, but on, on the outsides, uh, Breland makes sense for the Chiefs. I mean, I don't I don't love it. I don't hate it. It just makes a little bit of sense um, for where the Chiefs are at right now. But I'm ready to hear your, your uh, pitchfork and um, torch take that uh, you, you've been teasing. He's terrible, folks. I mean, he's awful. Okay, last year you guys acted like he was going to be the savior of the Chiefs. He's terrible. It was a good thing they didn't sign him. He wouldn't have improved last year's secondary as bad as that sounds. He's not very good. He wasn't good in Washington. Uh, he had one good year that, that that looked good on paper, but if you actually go back and watch him, he wasn't. He he lucked into a few uh, coverages and credit to the to the Redskins defensive coordinator that that kind of got him in the right position. But he's terrible in man coverage. He loses himself in zone coverage. He's not very good. 
at best, he was their third best cornerback. And I don't think Josh Norman's very good to begin with. So I think he's overrated. He was worse than Kyle Fuller, excuse me, than, uh, uh, I'm blanking Kendall. on Kendall Fuller. Uh, yeah. Kendall Fuller. He, he, he might be this team's number two cornerback, but that's because they're so bad. He is at best a quality number three. He's not a good cornerback. He's not going to magically click and he's not going to magically become one. He is terrible. And he's a diva off the field, which is going to rub Chiefs fans the wrong way. <laughs> Knowing the kind of people that are on Chiefs Twitter, they are going to be sick and tired of this dude by week four because he was telling Redskins fans that they can shove it after they were getting on him for blowing assignments left and right and that, that they're going to miss him when he's gone. And guess what, buddy? They haven't missed you because you're a terrible cornerback. You're not good and he carries himself as if he's this pro bowler he's terrible he has the swagger he doesn't have the play on the field with all that being said though this was a very cheap deal it's not going to hurt the chiefs if he doesn't pan out which he won't it's you know and if he does pan out somehow which he won't it's going to be a very very valuable contract because they're not giving him that much and again if he fails which he will it's not going to affect the bottom line it's not going to deter the season from wherever it's going to be heading but they absolutely need to draft somebody and draft somebody high because he is at best a number 3 guy which woof if he's your number 3 he's bad he's just bad that's all there is to it oh man okay everybody needs to uh make sure that they mark down this episode uh so they can tweet it at old takes exposed um for when rylan is completely wrong on this and he has like a year where he has 12 picks and uh wins defensive player of the year oh that's that's inevitably gonna happen now he's been terrible his whole career but (laughs) after i go on this tangent which i never do he's going to just become freaking an all-star this year and it's going to make me even more mad uh but yeah he's i don't know and then his whole tweet about i'm really feeling barbecue just say you're signing with the chiefs how about that okay (laughs) we don't need your fancy little twitter account just say hey i'm gonna go to kansas city now Uh, barbecue please anyway let's transition now to rule changes everyone's favorite topic wow i'm gonna have to rant twice in one episode i haven't ranted this entire podcast this entire five show history of this podcast, but I'm gonna have to rant twice today because the NFL agreed to change the rule to where you can now challenge pass interference, and that's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I'm lukewarm on it. I don't hate it for the reason that the Saints got screwed out of a Super Bowl, um, but I do hate it in the idea that we could be sitting there for an extra hour because of uh, these kind of reviews. So I'm lukewarm on it. I don't know how to feel, but feel free to just to steer me in your direction, Rylan. This has been this has been enjoyable in your your ranting stuff. Okay, so here's the deal: the Saints and Rams play. How many times does that happen in the history of football? I mean, that was an egregious play. It cost the team a trip to the Super Bowl potentially. Although they still had a chance after that play. We act, we act like the same thing we do with Bill Buckner missing the ball. They still had game seven, folks. Uh, they still had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They blew it. But I mean, that play, yes, that should be reviewed 10 times out of 10. They got that one completely and totally wrong. And this rule shouldn't be to where Andy Reid can pull out the handkerchief from his sock. Which, by the way, folks, can we get a better way to challenge plays than Andy Reid throwing a handkerchief on the field? I mean, come on. But there 
this is dumb in the sense of that there's pass interference on every play. I mean, every play you can you can call pass interference just like you can call holding. And my big concern is that how many games are going to end in this way that I'm about to describe here, okay? Patrick, it's going to benefit the Chiefs, so that might be good for you. Uh, but let, let's take Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, two of the of the biggest arms, and Aaron Rodgers has the most has the best luck in, on uh, hell marys out of any quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know how he does it; he's a magician. Both teams are down by even three, but let's say seven. Both teams are down by seven. They're at the they're at the other thirty five. You know they've got a, they've got a long way to go, and there's two seconds left instead of doing the whole bubble screen pitch play pitch it left right you know everywhere else on the field just have them drop back launch one to the one yard line and then challenge it and see if you can see anyone holding somebody's (laughs) arm i don't think that that's the new that's the new play design now if you want to win a football game i mean you could literally call this on every single play if it's even competitive i i mean I, that's just my biggest fear is is even if it happens in the first quarter as well. I mean, in the NFL, you get two challenges, and if you win, that challenge doesn't get taken away from you. So you can keep challenging pass interferences all game long, and on a lot of the deep ball shots you take, they're going to be right. Yeah, I, I, I think that we're going to— It would take coaches to, to play within the context of the rule, of course. I mean, yes, it's kind of unwritten that coaches aren't supposed to abuse this, but what is what is the biggest thing about the NFL? Everyone's looking for a competitive advantage. And if you have Mahomes who can throw it from your one yard line to the other one yard line, why wouldn't you try that play that I just described where you're going to throw it up there and see if somebody's holding Tyreek Hill's left hip? Well, because that then puts you at an untimed down at the one yard line. You're down by a touchdown. You get to tie the game. You're down by a field goal. You get to you know tie the game, or you know you're down by any amount of points. You know there you go. I get what you're saying. Um, but I think it's going to be something similar to what happened last season with the um, roughing the passer calls. You remember how, like, at the beginning of the year, there's, like, 8,000 penalties on, like, Clay Matthews alone uh, because he hit, <laughs> he hit the quarterback too late and whatever else, hit him in the helmet. Uh, and they kind of, over time, the NFL just kind of slowly backed off on it. It was still enforced but enforced in more of a moderate manner. I kind of view that as this, where it's like they'll they'll have it challenged, but I feel like it would have to be egregious. I feel like that's the way that it's going to be interpreted. It's not going to be, did he bump him? Did he, did he make uh, a little bit of contact here? I think it would have to be egregious stuff for it to overturn. Maybe that's not what it's going to be like to begin with. Uh, maybe we're going to see it. Yeah, and that's why the problem is, is in the NFL, it's not – basketball or, or baseball you can't lose week one I mean those games matter for pretty much every team who hopes to be in the playoffs so like if you get free 50 yards hand to you that that wasn't called on the field and then after going under a microscope in slow-mo with zoom you find out oh wait go ahead and give them 50 yards because they're they, they bumped arms right there if that's what they're going to do and then they'll correct it later on in the season that's not good enough. Hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully it's just something to talk about on April 2nd. Yeah. That's my biggest fear is that it's not going to be uh, used properly because, yes, it should be implemented in the case of the Saints and Rams. What I would have done is I would have had an extra ref on the crew that sits 
you know, in a press box somewhere, because God knows there's 50 million of those at NFL games, sit in a press box with the TV. If he, if he's watching a play with the, you know, with the all 22 angle, if he's watching a play and he sees, oh no, a wide receiver literally got tackled before the ball was there. Maybe we should call something. He can buzz down and say, Hey, you guys blew it. Change that. It shouldn't be up to uh, the coaches to be able to throw their their red flag and say, "Hey, I think my guy got bumped," and then you go back and 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 see, "Oh yeah, that's technically technically pass interference, although it didn't alter the play at all, but it was pass interference, so we do have to, you know, reverse this." That's my biggest fear: is that how how much are we going to go by the book here, and how much is it going to be, you know, just common sense of, "Hey, Andy Reid, you can't challenge because he, yes, that's technically pass interference, but that has no." That had no jurisdiction on what the play actually ended up being, but I think it'll be a non-story by week three. It's just the fact that there's a possibility that the first three weeks are egregious and they cost teams games, and in turn cost teams playoff games. Because again, in the NFL, if you lose week one, that could be you know part of your season. If you if you miss playoffs by a game, if you lose week one in a controversial fashion. I mean, that, that literally could cost you a chance at the playoffs. I mean, look at the Browns last year. I mean, they, they tie, they, uh, they miss field goals, everything like that. Now, they lost on their own on their own being. But, I mean, these games early on matter just as much as Week 16. So it would be really sad to see a team kind of lose based on, you know, a challenged PI. But I, I think you're right. Ultimately, I think that your take is the more level one where, yeah, it's going to happen and it probably will happen, you know, uh, it probably will happen in a negative way at the first part of the year. They're going to correct it and get it ready for, you know, later in the season, whenever uh, games quote unquote matter more, but it's just something to think about. And really it's a uh, April 2nd topic. I'll admit that to you, but we have a job to do. Staking with NFL rule changes, the chiefs proposed a change of their own, which did not get passed originally, but they have a chance in may to get it passed. Now they proposed a rule change where both teams will get a touch of the football in overtime. And then Kansas City is also willing to adjust this to where it's only in effect in the postseason. Uh, if teams do not want it for the entire season, we're only in the postseason do each team, does each team get a chance to have the football. This is a no-brainer rule to me, especially in the playoffs, because yes, it hurt the Chiefs, and even if it didn't hurt the Chiefs, even if it was the other way around where we won the coin toss and, the, and Tom Brady on the sidelines, as an NFL fan, you want to see the best players play. You want to see Mahomes with a chance. You want to see Tom Brady with a chance. You want to see these guys have a chance to do something incredible. And I think it's good for the regular season to just get it over with. That's fine. you got games to play the next week. In the playoffs, though, you want those moments. It's good for the sport to have those moments. It's good for fans to have those moments. And it's a better measurement of which team's good or not. Because we all knew the Chiefs' defense was terrible. But what was carrying them was Mahomes. And the fact that he didn't get a chance to play really sucks. And it would have sucked even if I wasn't a Chiefs fan. And I'm sure you feel the same way. I think that they can get it passed in May to where it's going to be in the playoffs only. What do you think about this rule? Would you change it? Or do you think that the Chiefs are just kind of being prisoners of the moment and they're you know just kind of you know being a stick in the mud because it didn't go their way? I will say, though, that when this happened to Aaron Rodgers, I was also equally mad. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of... I'm on both sides of the issue. Uh, I think in the playoffs it might be a little bit different, where you need to get the you need to give the offenses a chance, both sides, because offense has kind of taken over the NFL. Um, it's 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 an offensive league now. We don't we don't expect 
um, defenses to be shut down. Like there was only one or two tops um, in the in the NFL last year defenses that could um, that could absolutely shut you down. Um, and so I, I'm on both sides of the issue where I'm like, yeah, it's 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 more fair to probably not have it determined on a coin flip. But I also see the other side of it where it's like that's the way it's been done. I don't think we need to we need to necessarily change the rules because they they uh, have shown in studies that uh, the probability is about the same as in the college um, college football, like where they have the the alternating possession rule in college football. How fun would that be in the NFL? I mean, how fun would that be if Mahomes and Brady are going back and forth in the 25-yard line or, fun. you know, or push it back to like the 50-yard line or something? It would be, be extremely fun. Now, it's not practical. I'll grant you that. But that would be really fun. It would be fun. I just they've, But they've shown that they have about the same probability in this system where it's you can hold somebody to a field goal and then you get one more possession. Uh, they've shown that it's about the same win probability uh, in the NFL as in the, as in the college uh, ranks. So I can see the statistics point of view and say, well, we don't need to change it. But I can also see the entertainment value of uh, making it a head-to-head challenge. And so if I'm choosing one, I would probably choose the, um, the head-to-head challenge. But uh, I don't hate the NFL rule of overtime right now and i know i'm in the minority in that regard yeah if it was my final verdict on this would be i would change it only for the playoffs i mean when the game regulation in, in the regular season you both have uh you know unless you're heading into a bye week you both have things to do you need to rest the next day and get ready for a new opponent but in the playoffs it needs to be all out you need to have an equal chance at both because it's not just the chiefs who rely on one side of the ball or the other so I mean, it, it, I think this will this will enhance the game. I don't think anyone will complain about both teams getting a fair shot. I think that people will always complain about, though, uh, Mahomes or another quarterback sitting on the bench while his defense is just dreadful. Uh, but if they if they again get rejected, I wouldn't be mad about it. I think that you know a lot of Chiefs fans are just upset and rightfully so of how last year ended. But I mean, it, it's still like you said unbiasedly it's still a, a decent way to end a ball game and if your defense can just hold them to even a field goal then you do get your shot so you know just be better yeah. <laughs> is pretty much what this uh what this current rule is in the in the overtime uh we've talked about the nfl draft we're going to do so quickly in a little bit but first the nfl draft hats have been released yes. and before we talk about this disgusting looking hat have you ever bought a draft hat no and I won't because I haven't either. Year they're terrible. Every year they're like, let's see how terrible we can make these designs and still make money off of it. I hope that people buy our hats and they look like doofuses because we designed it just to see how many people we can have follow our draft hat crowd blindly. And I just, ugh, they're terrible. That's, that's Do it. you know how much of a sheep you have to be to, to buy this hat? Ugh. It's a... It's a red, yellow, and white hat, okay, which the, the Chiefs' color scheme is just dreadful, okay? I love the Chiefs. The color scheme, come on, let, let's let's get this updated, folks. But, okay, well, we could talk about that in another day. But 
<laughs> on one side, you have all red. On the other side, you have this mustard Ronald McDonald that's dark on the back, but light and bright on the side, yellow. The brim of it is red. And then the front face uh, brim, which, you know, the brim that you actually see up top and the and the forefront of the head is white. There's a there's a white Chiefs logo, which just that alone sounds dorky, but sounds you know fine. But then there's a black like fountain thing where it's like these two arching fountains are going into the logo, then coming out the bottom of the logo, then going to the side of the logo. And it's supposed to be the city of fountains, uh, but they didn't do a very good job on the fountains. It kind of just looks like someone graffitied on there. I Uh, I don't. It looks like that was the best one I've heard all day. You told me that off the air before we started recording. It looks terrible. And it's $37. $37 for this crap. Jeez. And that's before shipping and everything. Uh, that's on NFL.com slash shop if you're interested in looking at this or for some ungodly reason buying it. Please tell me the only reason that you'd buy it would be as a joke. Let's let's even bump it up. If you're a size eight, it's $37.99. So okay, it's the it's the same price. But anyway, this is just awful. And you know, the draft hats are always awful, like you said, but even if they weren't, I would not buy a draft hat. It just seems weird to me. I mean, you're buying a draft hat that's meant for players being drafted onto the team. I'm not being drafted by the Chiefs. I'll just buy a normal Chiefs hat. I, I don't need to buy the draft hat. I'm not being drafted. Uh, but these are terrible. There's not many things I don't like about the Chiefs. I hate this. <laughs> but to be fair, every single team has terrible draft hats this year. They're all terrible. The only acceptable one, which it pains me to say this, is the Raiders. It's just a black hat with a black American flag and then the silver Raider logo. That's fine. Every other team's hats suck. They're terrible. I mean, it's embarrassing. I don't know who designed these. I don't know who approved these, but it's awful. It's truly awful. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know and if you had designed those and you work for the NFL. I don't know how you still have a job, to be honest. But that's I have no idea how the NFL is proud of this. <laughs> I mean, I guess because by far the NFL has the most sheepy fan base that will just buy anything that they put their logo on. So maybe they'll just say, oh, screw it. We don't need to hire any designers because these folks will buy anything. So let's just throw something out there and see if it sticks. The one thing that's discouraging is that the NFL 100 logo on the back actually looks kind of cool, but it's on a terrible hat, so no one's going to buy it. I hope no one's going to buy it. If you buy this hat, stop listening. Just stop listening to the show. Well, no, okay? we need the viewers. Because I don't if need you, you like listening to the hats, show. I don't need anyone listening to the show if you buy this hat and if you like this no, hat. Okay, no. I'm just kidding. Please, please, please listen. Please click. Please click. And please also share because I really, really need the listeners to pay my bills. Yes. Um, this, this hat's terrible, though. And if I see you around in this hat and you try to say, hey, are you the host of, of Arrowhead Act Podcast? I'm going to say, yeah, sadly, I can't believe you listen and you wear that goofy hat. Look like a tool. But thank you for listening, by the way. If you do like this hat, I appreciate it. And Grant appreciates it. Yeah. Appreciates it. And we've been away from the microphone too long, or I have, so I forgot how to act. But yeah, please keep listening because. A little bit. We don't want to bully people too much. But if you're this hat. Yeah, I'll give you a hug. I'll give you an autograph if you want, which my penmanship is terrible. And uh, I'll tell you to follow me on Twitter if you don't already, which, by the way, it's at Rylan underscore styles. That's at R Y L E N underscore S T I L E S. And Grant. 
your Twitter, let me try first, is at G-T-M uh, Tuttle, right? Grant. Oh, no. Grant T-M-N Tuttle. You got to get the whole name in there. Grant. At. Okay, so it's Grant T-M-N Tuttle. Yes. Yes. You can find both of us on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Attic underscore podcast, I believe, right? Correct on that one. He hasn't given me the access to the to the Twitter account yet, so I, I, I don't know. If you see any tweets on there, that's all from Grant. Uh, but now, the, AF, the AAF has folded. Not quite, but they've suspended their operations, and it's heading that way. This is pretty funny, isn't it? I mean, they... Some people were saying that this was going to, you know, take away from the NFL. Not in the slightest. This is actually pretty funny that they've already folded before their first season even is over. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by it. I thought it would be, make a good, like, spring spring league NFL thing, and I'm kind of surprised that they're they're folding before they even have a chance at a, a full NFL offseason where they can, they can get the guys that kind of fall short of the NFL to join their rosters. I'm a little bit surprised by that, but... I mean, I don't really care that much. The AAF is not my... I didn't watch a single AAF game at all. I watched about five minutes of it, and I said, this isn't very good. And then I stopped watching, <laughs> and then I've not watched since. Yeah, I mean, that's all i got to say about it. If you were, an, if you were a diehard a, uh, AAF fan, I'm sorry. We had great coverage of the American Alliance Football League. Is that what it's called? The AAFL? Uh, we had great coverage on ERHeadAddict.com, which you can continue to read, which obviously will no longer cover a league that's dead. But we'll cover the Chiefs, and so continue to read there. Uh, real quick, just a couple more NFL draft takes. We've gone over an hour. Wow, I'm sorry about that, folks at home. But if you stuck this far, you obviously like us, so thank you. Uh, but Todd Haley, who we all know around these parts, hates Dwayne Haskins. Do you hate Dwayne Haskins? If you didn't know, his quotes were... Quote, Dwayne Haskins doesn't make enough exciting plays to get a fan base or a coaching staff and uh, you know excited. He's just Jacoby Brissett, which I find there's a lot of undertone in that. What do you think about Dwayne Haskins? And you know, do you think that he does make enough exciting plays? Or even do you think he's just a good quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I don't trust Todd Haley's view of anything. <laughs> so, like, if Todd Haley was to say, this player isn't good, I'd probably be like, well... I'll take that with a grain of salt. You've been a coach in the NFL. You know a little bit. I definitely disagree on this one. Dwayne Haskins is the second-best quarterback in this draft. While he's not super flashy, he does show that he has incredible upside. Uh, I think that he's he's got a chance to be a very good quarterback. I think that that's what people are looking at is not what's currently there, but what he's done in a short amount of time. I think he has some upside. Uh, I don't know what Todd Haley's really looking at. Um, this is the guy that had Matt Castle as his quarterback. Uh, he also is the same guy that had Tyler Palco running the show when he had Kyle Orton on the bench. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what he's talking about, and I don't think he does either. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Again, that's the kind of draft coverage you get when you don't listen to Grant Tuttle because, I mean, sure, Todd Haley – has worked in the NFL. Grant is better than Todd Haley at this. I can definitely say that. The Giants, the Redskins, the Broncos have all met with Drew Locke. And I bring this up because 
What is our tagline that you came up with? I'm going to give you total credit for this tagline. What is our tagline, Grant Tuttle? Yeah, we need to get make an, in, an actual intro sometime that says, covering the Chiefs, the AFC West, and the rest. Yeah, because that's what we do here. Um, and so we're covering the AFC West portion here. So there you go. And the only AFC West news is that the Broncos have met with Drew Locke, and the Raiders also met with Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. Do you believe in either of these quarterbacks, Haskin and Locke, as first-round talent? Or do you think that they're just going to go there because, hey, quarterback's a valuable position and teams are suckers and they're going to go ahead and draft him because they play quarterback? I think there's three quarterbacks that have potential first-round talent, uh, and that's just because of the nature of the position. Um, I I don't understand people's love for Daniel Jones. Uh, I definitely don't. I have a, Me neither. I have a third-round third grade on him. Uh, I don't see how he would possibly go first round, but the other three I can understand at least what people are looking at. Uh, um, Drew Locke has a lot of arm talent. His mechanics aren't there. He uh, he he kind of throws off balance for no reason and so for no reason at times. Um, but like for for Haskins, he shows that he he can run an offense. Uh, He can check down. He can throw the ball deep. Uh, There's some things to like about his upside. Um, And obviously, Kyler Murray's been my my quarterback that I've liked ever since this draft process started, and everybody's been discounting him about his height and whatever else. And he's he's the only one that I can say is for sure a top 10 uh, prospect in this draft that plays the quarterback position. Uh, I think Drew Locke is a guy that his actual – um upside he's probably in the 30 range i would say that he might be the 30th or 35th best player in this draft but i think that he's going to get drafted too early a lot of mock drafts actually have him going top 10 now which i never would have seen coming uh it's still hard for me to um to gauge that kind of interest for drew lock who's a guy that has good arm talent but no mechanics whatsoever unless they're trying to do the patrick mahomes but i can tell you with 100 degree uh, confidence that Drew Locke is no Patrick Mahomes. Um, and so we'll see what happens with that. And it's an interesting developing story. Yeah. And, you know, just the last question we have before we you know get out of here. Uh, last question I have is that, you know, the Raiders are really the only team that I can see in a position to draft whatever quarterback they'd like, you know, because they have so much draft capital, even to move up one spot, over the Cardinals, who who knows what's going to happen with that team. You know, they have Josh Rosen, but they're flirting with Kyler Murray. Which of these quarterbacks, if any, do you think that the Raiders could draft and actually give the Chiefs a run in this division and actually terrify you just on paper? Would it be Kyler Murray? Would it be none of them? Do you think none of these quarterbacks, although they might be good and they might turn into be serviceable quarterbacks, do you think any of them are franchise-altering just strike fear into you whenever you play them on Sunday quarterbacks. Yeah, I think Kyler Murray is. Uh, I think he's electric. He's got a really accurate throw. He's He's got decent mechanics. He's he's, he's just electric. Uh, and I, I wouldn't like to see him go to the Raiders. Um, but I think that if, that if the Raiders do end up drafting a quarterback, I would believe it would be Murray. I would believe they would trade up to Arizona unless Arizona just loves Kyler Murray, which they might. There's been rumors out there. Um, but I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like that's the most realistic one. 
because uh, I don't think that Gruden's as big on Haskins. He seems to like those guys that can be a dual threat. Uh, I think that a guy like like Murray makes a lot of sense for the Raiders, and I wouldn't I wouldn't like seeing him twice a year. But um, at the same time, uh, I don't think that he is at, on the same tier as Patrick Mahomes. I think he would be a tier below even at his best because Patrick Mahomes, I don't believe, is even at his best yet, and he's in the top tier. I agree with you. I think that Kyler Murray is really the only quarterback that the Raiders could get for me to take them seriously this year. Uh, you know, I, I really think that this is the Chiefs division to lose. Uh, I think it really just comes between them and, and the Chargers, of course, but I, I still don't really trust the Chargers all that much. But it's draft season, folks. And some people, like you, Grant, think draft season is the day after the Super Bowl, if not before. But it's officially draft season. The calendar has turned to April, and commoners, casuals like me and probably a lot of you listening, are just now getting into the NFL draft. I mentioned a few times on this show that I'm going to start doing my own film study this week and next week uh, to get ready, reading up more on prospects. And that leads right into next week's show. And next week's show is going to be a can't-miss program. We probably should have plugged this before an hour and ten minutes whenever everyone turned us off, but... (laughs) Next week's show is going to be Arrowhead Tom against Grant Tuttle for a battle to the death of NFL takes. Okay? Someone's going to come out alive, and someone, another person's also going to come out alive, but not as the bona fide, most knowledgeable draft expert on ArrowheadAct.com. So, who's going to be the best draft personality on the website? My money's on Grant. You know, he's my co-host. I kind of got to say that, but I'm going to say it's going to be Grant unbiasedly. They actually are going to get a championship belt. I'll send that to you in the mail. It's going to say, you know, <laughs> draft expert from arrowheadact.com on the Arrowhead podcast hosted by Ryland Styles. Your name's not going to be on there unless you win. So you're going to want to listen to that. It's going to be kind of first take style only with quality takes and not just Stephen A. Smith talking about weed. It's going to be them discussing who they both like who they both dislike, and also just giving you their mock drafts and what they think can happen. I'll mix it up a little bit, but I'll pretty much just be the moderator because these two guys eat, sleep, and breathe NFL draft. If you listen to our first show, you know Grant Tuttle thinks that this time of the year is more exciting than watching Patrick Mahomes throw 50 tutties. So that's what you have going on. But it is one of the most exciting times of the year for me. But yes. So you can follow Tom ahead of next week's show at Arrowhead Tom, and you can check back next week for another very long show. If you want to break it up in a couple sittings, go ahead. Or you can just listen to us straight through because we're the best cheese podcast on the planet, if I do say so myself, or at least that's what my mom tells me. So follow him at Arrowhead Tom. Follow Grant at Grant TMN Tuttle. Nailed it that time. Follow me at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-E-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Grant, do you have any final words? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and harp on uh, how good everybody is there at Arrowhead Addict. Uh, If you haven't, check out the website. Check out the articles that people write. Um, They're all excellent quality. Everybody there does a very good job. Um, Matt Connor is always 
always, always, always he's a robot producing something that's that's wonderful. Um, and so he's a robot. I'll say it. Yeah, I'll say it. I'll go on the limb. <laughs> yeah. He's a robot. This dude literally during that whole free agency frenzy, he literally had an article up before Adam Scheffner reported something. It felt like he was on top of it. He cannot be human. He gets articles done with a quickness. So that's why you need to be following us at arrowheadaddict.com. But proceed. I just, I just oh, have a conspiracy theory that, 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 uh, Matt Connor is just not human. I was just going to say, if we're doing first take or, What's that one? Undisputed. I'm going to say I'm Shannon Sharp. Thomas is definitely a Skip Bayless. Uh, and so. Oh, no, the gauntlet. I'm ready. I'm ready. You just called this, this man Skip Bayless. He has a family. He, Calling anyone even remotely in this industry. It's going to be embarrassing. He's going to talk about the Cowboys or something lame. And I'll be Shannon Cowboys. Sharp and I'll just make fun of him. It'll be a good time. So tune in next week. Uh, we're going to just talk draft and talk draft and talk draft for the next couple weeks. So stay tuned. It's draft season. And we cannot wait for the draft to actually get here and see all of our new toys that the Chiefs are going to draft. So for Shannon Sharp, I'm Rylan Stiles. <laughs> Joining us next week is Skip Bayless. This has been the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Hosted on arrowhack.com and a part of the Fan Sided Podcasting Network. Thank you all for listening. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next week.